If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 51 Have mercy upon me, O God, after thy great goodness. According to the multitude of thy mercies, do away mine offenses. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my faults, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified in thy saying, and clear when thou shalt judge. Behold, I was shapen in wickedness, and in sin hath my mother conceived me. But, lo, thou requirest truth in the inward parts, shalt make me to understand wisdom secretly. Thou shalt purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Thou shalt wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Thou shalt make me hear of joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Turn thy face from my sins, and put out all my misdeeds. Make me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. O give me the comfort of thy help again, and establish me with thy free spirit. Then shall I teach thy ways unto the wicked, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou that art the God of my help, and my tongue shall sing of thy righteousness. Thou shalt open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall show thy praise. For thou desirest no sacrifice, else would I give it thee, but thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God is a troubled spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, shalt thou not despise. 
O be favorable and gracious unto Zion, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with the burnt offerings and oblations. Then shall they offer young bullocks upon thine altar. Here beginneth the second chapter of the Book of Lamentations. How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger. He cast down from heaven to the earth the beauty of Israel, and did not remember his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up and has not pitied all the dwelling places of Jacob. He has thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought them down to the ground. He has profaned the kingdom and its princes. He has cut off in fierce anger every horn of Israel. He has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire, devouring all around. Standing like an enemy, he has bent his bow. With his right hand, like an adversary, he has slain all who were pleasing to his eye. On the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord was like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces. He has destroyed her strongholds and has increased mourning and lamentation in the daughter of Judah. He has done violence to his tabernacle as if it were a garden. He has destroyed his place of assembly. The Lord has caused the appointed feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. In his burning indignation, he has spurned the king and the priest. The Lord has spurned his altar. He has abandoned his sanctuary. He has given up the walls of her palaces into the hand of the enemy. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord, as on the day of a set feast. The Lord has purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore he has caused the rampart and the wall to lament. They languished together. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the nations. The law is no more, and her prophets find no vision from the Lord. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit on the ground and keep silence. They throw dust on their heads and gird themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem bow their heads to the ground. My eyes fail with tears. My heart is troubled. My bile is poured on the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Because the children and the infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, Where is grain and wine? As they swoon like the wounded in the streets of the city. As their life is poured out in their mother's bosom. How shall I console you? To what shall I liken you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I compare with you, that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is spread wide as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not uncovered your iniquity to bring back your captives, but have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions. All who pass by clap their hands at you. They hiss and shake their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that is called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? 
All your enemies have opened their mouth against you. They hiss and gnash their teeth. They say, We have swallowed her up. Surely this is the day we have been waiting for. We have found it. We have seen it. The Lord has done what he purposed. He has fulfilled his word, which he commanded in days of old. He has thrown down and has not pitied, and he has caused an enemy to rejoice over you. He has exalted the horn of your adversaries. Their heart cried out to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, give your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night, at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift your hands toward him for the life of your young children, who faint from hunger at the head of every street. See, O Lord, and consider, to whom have you done this? Should the women eat their offspring, the children they have cuddled? Should the priest and prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? Young and old lie on the ground in the streets. My virgins and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered and not pitied. You have invited as to a feast day the terrors that surround me. In the day of the Lord's anger, there was no refugee or survivor. Those whom I have borne and brought up, my enemies have destroyed. Here endeth the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath hope in his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Here beginneth the seventeenth verse of the fifteenth chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. That because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. 
But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. Make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people and bless thy inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Lord God, whose blessed Son, our Savior, gave his back to the smiters and hid not his face from shame, grant us grace to take joyfully the sufferings of this present time in full assurance of the glory that shall be revealed through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who of thy tender love towards mankind has sent thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross, that all mankind should follow the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may, be both, may both follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection, through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening to all. A couple of brief thoughts about our lessons for tonight. Um, Psalm 51, and if we're not careful, it's one of those psalms we've all heard so many times that it's easy to just kind of let it uh, let it pass us by, but it, it really is a profound piece of um, penitential poetry. 
Um, and it, it is worth noting that there is a vicarious relationship that the psalmist who's praying it bears with the, the kind of the whole condition of the city of Jerusalem, the temple city. Um, and that this is a, a very uh, sort of keen observation um, to, to, to see that the poetry of the psalm kind of leads us seamlessly from one to the other, so much so that we arrive at the end of this psalm kind of talking about altars and burnt offerings and oblations. Um, and bullocks upon the altar, uh, and we're not quite sure. Like, how did this? How did I start with a kind of meditation about my myself and the things that were going on within me, and end in this place where we're talking about the kind of ceremonial and sacrificial worship of the whole people gathered at the temple? And this is a very um, profound connection that it's drawing our attention to, that the the sort of the personal repentance of each faithful covenant member. Um, is directly um, of significance to the worthiness of the offering and the um, and the and the kind of collective offering that's being brought you know brought brought as one before God in His house, um, and that there's this um, symbiotic relationship that the, the, the sort of the, the the temple people have, uh, the covenant people have with the the worship that is happening in the temple space, and that has the integrity of those things. And um, when something goes wrong in either place, it has a kind of effect on the other. Um, so that if, you know, if we are not attending to the worship of God as a community, it's going to impact everybody individually. And if everybody individually is not attending to their repentance, it's going to affect the communal worship. And so as we observe this and seeing that there is a kind of the integrity of the temple city and the covenant that it embodies is directly related to these individual participants in it as well. Um, that it puts a, you know, an importance on each individual's life of prayer. So as we look at Lamentations, we're continuing the logic from last night's reading in Lamentations 1 with this figure of what, what the text calls the daughter of Zion, who will recall as an embodiment of Jerusalem as Jerusalem was intended by God to be. That the purpose for which Jerusalem was, you know, chosen and created and made to be what it was as the home of the king and the home of the temple, um, that it was meant to be this sort of axis for the whole world, that the, the living God could be known there, and that a peaceful people who were ordered by his law would be these, this kind of living revelation of him to the world in, in return. Um, and we know that Jerusalem did not live up to that. And so chapter two is this grievous lamentation, a kind of uh, akin to Psalm 51, that um, the purpose, the heart, the basically the the heart of the of the purpose of Jerusalem was to be that the, the place where God could be met, could be where God could be known, and it had had renounced, it had forsaken that, and this awful vision of Jerusalem's great fall that has come about as God has given it over in judgment to the things that it has continually chosen instead of Him. Um, this grisly picture that unfolds at the end, the you know, the, the speaker of Lamentations acknowledges that this, this has been our undoing that we, that has been woven by our bad, sort of our bad decisions, our renunciations, our compromises, our infidelities for many, many years. And these grisly, awful images of, of a, of a, of a besieged and fallen city, the city we never thought could fall. This, you know, we cannot detach the story of the fall of this city from the story of God's steadfast love to us while in the, we were throwing it back in his face and, and, and really declaring how much we hated him and were unfaithful to his covenant. 
Um, and so there's there's not, not a really easy way to sit with that. And that's the purpose of this book of Lamentation. Lament is is a form of biblical prayer where we acknowledge that things have gone really wrong and it allows us a space to process the experience of that, but then also makes us to sit in the perplexity of of, of, of how these things have come to be and to sit in the perplexity of what is kind of even possible from this point on. Can these things ever be put to right? And yet there's hope in this as well. Um, if we look at the form of Lamentations, um, we'll remember that each of these chapters of Lamentations is itself an acrostic, right? Every verse of these chapters uh, corresponds to a letter of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so there's this subtle nod, even in the midst of this sweeping vision of chaos and destruction, that order is still at play, that there is a plan here, that there is, this is not aimless chaos, this is not purposeless suffering, that there is even in the midst of these, these horrific visions, something at work that is bringing this to a sort of an order and to a conclusion, and that there is a logic to this. And that Prayer of lament is the thing that brings us to sit in the presence of an apparent chaos until we have revealed to us the, the, the thing that has been done in the midst of it, if we'll sit patiently and endure in the midst of that perplexity. And so we, we might be asking ourselves, like, how can we, how can we possibly do that? Right. This is the thing about perplexity is that it bounces us off of it every time we come near it, particularly when there's pain involved. And so as we come to the gospel tonight, we're looking at Jesus, who is telling, who's, who's about to reveal that as had happened to the daughter of Zion um, in Lamentations chapter one, that by her own people and by an outside enemy, she had been completely, she had been sort of brought to desolation. Jesus is indicating that this is about to happen to him, that he is going to take on the burden of the daughter of Zion to himself and absorb it, and that the world is going to turn on him in the same way. But that through these things, there will be an indictment again of the world and, and, and there will be a desolation that comes upon the, the world that rejects him, including Jerusalem again. But that those who, who sit in him and abide in him and who become partakers of his suffering will also be made partakers of his glory. And that the, their ability to stand fast and to and to be in the midst of this kind of collapsing world as witnesses to him, that this is going to be that mode of revelation to the world. And so as we're about to see unfold in the passion narratives of the end of this week and in the resurrection narratives to follow, this is, you know, we're watching the redeeming of this awful, you know, story of a failed covenant marriage. And we're seeing the death of that thing as it was, but then the raising up of something new something that can endure even as all the things that are collapsing around that thing continue to collapse. But um, there's a, there's hope in the fact that to abide in Christ um, is to, is to uh, again, be made whole again, to be made someone who can offer a fit sacrifice before God and who can be received by God again. And so, and Jesus is going to show us the means by which he'll make that possible. So a couple of thoughts for us tonight. And we'll continue with our intercession on page 590. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. 
Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings temporal and spiritual upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about us doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, happy uh, Tuesday and Holy Week. I Thanks to Deacon Bob and thanks to Robert tonight, my intrepid co-leaders, and hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Thank you, Father Hayden. Thank have you. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.